Justin Zanuck sets up the season and the trust rankings back again for its annual return. This is Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. I'm J.P. Chunga on the Utah Jazz Podcast Network, presented by First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz, and MLS number 3112, equal housing lender. You're going to want to listen to Zanuck because I asked him about the Danny Ainge meme. I see it. People upset when the Jazz win, thinking they're in for the tank. I asked that very question to Justin, and... You're going to want to hear his response. It's pretty instructive on team building, what the direction is of the franchise, and everything. So listen to that. But first, the trust rankings. And I want to go through it pretty quickly because you should be hearing Justin here. He was awesome. Gives insight in the way that this team is built. And frankly, you think about winning. You think about team building. Nobody backdoors into the championship it's a slow progression and roll and go and push all in on chips. All the draft picks that they have, they can talk to a ton of people. But those guys determine when you spin it into major upgrades. Right now, it's in the figuring out phase. Figured out Lowry Markinen, all-star. Walker Kessler, good building piece. Where are you with the rookies that you have this year? The deep guard line, where are you? And they'll figure that out, have those talks, and get it done. But as far as the trust rankings, pretty simple. Good one, bad one, weird one, apathetic one. How you create a family, how people sit into roles, and divide again NBA teams into pots, like the good one. Real bold to pick Phoenix or Milwaukee as your championship contender. I go with Denver because I saw it last season. I still trust them. And as long as they have Jokic, that's a championship window. You have the Jokic window as him being the best player in the world, best player on the planet. Yes, you lose Jeff Green and Bruce Brown, but the replacements are younger the replacements are hungry, and you're putting your older draft picks as far as a, a draft strategy. You're picking older players so that they can contribute more readily now as opposed to being projects. You're asking a lot about Peyton Watson and Zeke Naji, but look at that Jamal Murray and Jokic pick and roll. The chemistry is chef's kiss. You can't beat it. So as teams realize that Jokic will figure you out, they're the good one. Magic Johnson put it the best last night. Tonight we learned the world champion Denver Nuggets are going to be very tough to beat in the NBA playoffs. Spot the lie. The bad one. Do you really want to admit that this team is good? I put the Clippers, the Lakers, the big teams the bad one. I don't necessarily want to believe in the Boston media mafia, but they might be right about this Celtics. They're the deepest team. And as concerning as it is that Denver might have a six-man rotation in the playoffs, Boston does not have that. They've got Tatum and Brown. They fill it out with starters of Kristaps Porzingis, Derek White, 
and Drew Holiday. Al Horford could allow them to play different styles, as well as the Cornette contest, Luke Cornette. They have backups that could get hot. The Pritching Hour, Peyton Pritchard, can have a day. They'll be waiting for somebody to come available at the deadline. They probably need another backup big, and that's where you look at Daniel Tice in Indiana, those teams, who's going to become available. But as far as having everything you need to contend, Boston has it. And Joe Mazzulla is in his second year with his coaching staff, with a training camp in preseason. He should be much better. But you don't want to admit it. Celtics are the bad one. The weird one is the NBA. Every single team is weird. So determining if you believe in Kyrie and Luka or Chris Paul on the Warriors or Minnesota in the Timberwolves, that's my weird one. I know, I can't give up on Rudy Gobert. Kind of a character flaw. But I will say, when you look at Anthony Edwards and the bump and accolades and how well he played for USA Basketball, that has to give you confidence that he can bring that in the NBA season. He has to be all NBA to make the Cat-Rudy pairing work. That whole trade hinges on Anthony Edwards being all NBA caliber for them. And having Mike Conley absolutely helps. He alleviates things. Everyone's job becomes easier. Tell me one teammate that is upset Mike Conley's organizing everything. And then you have Jaden McDaniels when he comes back. They have another defender. He'll help Rudy. Their bench is solid. Kyle Anderson, Nas Reed, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, former jazz man, found a useful role. Might be weird. I see them being good. Last year was the trouble season. This year, the pressure's on, and Chris Finch has to figure it out. The apathetic one, the Connor Roy, the regular season is an option. Sure, you could care about it, but not this team. Seeding kind of matters, but not that much. So the Lakers, for me, are the apathetic ones. How much do they care about the regular season? They're overcovered. They're overhyped. If I hear one more person say how competitive that four-game series in the Western Conference Finals was, I might lose it. But LeBron James automatically gives you a title shot. There's going to be a day when he's lost that step. It's no longer there. But I'd rather be late on that one than early. They can play different styles with AD, Rui, Christian Wood, who I don't see playing in the playoffs, but could play during the regular season. Jackson Hayes. Plenty of bigs in that rotation. They've got moves to make. I don't see D'Angelo Russell being long-term. What could go wrong with D'Angelo Russell? But they played well heading into the playoffs. They figured it out with Jared Vanderbilt. They have Austin Reeves also getting the USA basketball bump. As apathetic as I am on the Lakers, their playoff trajectory still holds weight. Those are the trust rankings. Good one, bad one, weird one, apathetic one. Five stars. Nice reviews. That's all I ask of you. Let others know that you're listening to the podcast. You may have noticed something different when it comes to the feed. And 
it's only going to enhance your life. Everything is being consolidated. All the other feeds are coming to this one. So if you're listening to podcasts, you don't have to go anywhere else. It's going to be right here on the Utah Jazz Podcast Network podcast feed. But you're also going to get Side Notes, the YouTube show that I do. You're going to get The Note, History of the Utah Jazz. First episode's coming out tomorrow, and it's on Pistol Pete Maravich. That'll be updating during the rest of the season. So any podcast that comes out from the Utah Jazz, you're going to get it right here on the podcast feed. You won't want to miss it. Subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe again, unsubscribe, leave a review. It all helps. Help others find the podcast. It's the Utah Jazz Podcast Network. Now, let's get to Justin Zanuck. He's going to talk about Chris Dunn getting his deal guaranteed, John Collins, all you need to know ahead of opening night against the Kings. Enjoy it. It's the general manager, Justin Zanuck, on Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. Now let me tell you about First Colony Mortgage. They've been serving the lending needs of Utah for more than 35 years. As a mortgage banker, First Colony Mortgage offers advantages over other lenders. Not only do they process mortgages, they also underwrite, fund, and close mortgage loans all in-house. Their expert team is ready to help you with your home financing needs. Just check them out. First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz. Obviously, we got to find out a lot about our team last year. Uh, a lot when we started this, if rewind 12 months ago, we had a, a lot of players in here from other teams that had never put on a jazz jersey or were about to be in different roles in a jazz jersey. A uh, new coach, a uh, new staff, and just going on that journey together for the last 12 months has been really informative and a lot of fun. So what I think it, it says for this year, we do have some more new young new players, a, a lot younger roster overall than when we started 12 months ago, and still some integration to, to, to do, and Coach Hardy continuing to learn and grow um, as an outstanding young coach that he is. So I don't know whether it's just it, it's something about expectations being different. I think the expectations were more like verified from last year. Our expectations last year, this time last year, was we're going to try and go and play hard and play together and have coach who's an excellent teacher try to maximize the abilities of our roster and then see where we're at. And coach and the players did a great job of that. And I think I would expect this year more of the same. Uh, continued growth from our players uh, in the roles that they were in, the, the returning members, especially after the trade deadline last year. And that experience that they gained the last two, three months of the season how does that translate into this year um, and the roles that they're going to be in this year? And then how do our new acquisitions, whether they be rookies or uh, guys coming from other teams, um, how are they going to integrate? I think it's one of Coach Hardy's greatest strengths and his staff is to identify the things that our players do well, put them in positions to succeed, and then continue throughout the year to develop and work on the things that they need to get better at. And I want to hit on those acquisitions, but 
for a moment, if we can, just to look at that last year, there was the Danny Ainge meme online about how every time the Jazz would win, you and Danny would be upset. Right. Was the meme. Yeah. Are you upset when the Jazz win? No, not at all. It's the exact opposite. Uh, much like we said at the beginning of the year last year is the same thing we're going to say this year. We're going to try and win every game. We're going to compete. We're going to play hard. Um, I think Coach does an excellent job with our team of concentrating on all the little things and the sacrifice and discipline you need to to be competitive and win, but also having fun while you're doing it. It's the same last year. Uh, I appreciate. I have a sense of humor just like everyone else, so those memes crack me up. But um, the intent is to compete at all times, and there's probably another section of jazz fans that would don't like to hear that either but for us you know the competition and representing the city and the state and the organization uh, especially with such a young team that's hungry and tries to play the right way plays hard and is competitive i want to see that every night at least we're going to try to do that every night it lends to the watchability you know like the zach low uh watchability rankings 30 last year to yeah. prove this year i mean that's something yeah, five spots thanks yeah. zach yeah. but thank goodness it's not 30 he he, he kind he, of he had missed. to apologize about four or five times thank goodness yeah um everyone has a post-mortem after the season what did you identify as needs for will and the team heading into the offseason i think a continuity of the growth that we saw last year uh lowry going from a very good role-playing starter to a most improved player, an all-star starter. Um, next step, and, and you've heard Coach talk about this in the media as well, as you know, he's a de facto leader on our team now and how he embraces that, being number one on the scouting report on the basketball court, and then also as a leader as all of these other players look at him off the court. And he's he's built for it. It's most great leaders are the ones that don't ever ask to do it. Uh, I don't think Lowry would ever ask to do it, but when asked to do it, he's up for it. And there's some experience with that uh, that comes from just being in the role. And he got a taste of that last year. He's going he's gonna to have that for all 82 games this year. Um, also having Jordan Clarkson and Kelly Olenek and even John Collins, um, who's a new addition, all three of those guys are very good veterans and people that can help Lowry and help the rest of these young guys move along. How do you try to help Lowry with that leadership part? I think coach does a really good job. And, and for us talking with him about just the steadiness that you need and the constant focus that you need for 82 games. It's a, it's a long season playing 82 games in whatever it is, 170 or 175 days. So, um, making sure that you're physically and mentally prepared. And then the days that you're worn down, the days that you don't have as much energy, um, having your teammates to, to lift you up and creating a culture here where everyone's trying to help each other, which I think we've done a good job about with. Acquiring John Collins. This was the big move of the off season. How long had you monitored that situation for him in Atlanta? So John's always been somebody that we've had interest in and followed his career. Um, you know, the NBA is crazy, JP, where if you and I sat here 12 months ago and tried to predict what was going to happen over the next 12 months, there's just no way. I didn't think Dane would be in Milwaukee. Yeah, that's just, you just don't know. And 12 months from now, who knows? So 
with all of the assets that we acquired and the flexibility, it allows us to pay attention and be involved. I mean, we always pay attention, but we're just naturally going to be part of a lot of conversations from other teams that call uh, because we have so many ways to make deals work. And so we can be opportunistic on acquiring you know, players that we think can help our club now and going forward. And the opportunity, you know, finally presented itself um, in the off season last summer and we pulled the trigger. What about this situation allows him to maximize his skills? I think he's got a very good support group of players on the roster that play will play with him. And also um, his maturity of being in the league now for a number of years and still a young veteran at 26, him being around and seeing a different place and how he can integrate. I think it'll take some time, but he's been all in on everything, learning how to play with Walker and Lowry and Kelly Olenek and any number of our guards. So I think he's appreciated being embraced here. Um, we want him to be the best version of himself. Uh, that's good for him, and that's also very good for the Utah Jazz. And uh, his approach, um, his voice in the locker room is already important, and uh, his total buy-in with the coaching staff. So I've been very pleased. Jordan Clarkson. It's one thing to pick up the option, but another thing to sign an extension here. What goes into that deal in how surprised were you that he's back for another season? Uh, I'm not surprised. I think JC has always embraced being here. Um, I think he's truly loved being here, and and we love him. And, and the opportunity that you know it always has to make side sense for on both sides. But we were able to come to an agreement. But it was never really a a question of whether he wanted to be here or not, and there really wasn't a question of whether we, we wanted him to be here or not. I think he's done so much for the community and the state and for our team, uh, both on and off the court, that we just had to get together and do something that made sense for both of us, and it did. So I'm thrilled that he's back. Uh, was glad to get to spend some time with him in the off season during the World Cup. Coach and I went to Manila uh, and spent some time with him. And him coming back here and embracing and helping all the young guys and continuing to be a high-level player that he is in the middle of his prime. So I'm really excited to have J.C. back in a jazz uniform. What's it like to see him in Manila? Because their opening game had 50,000 people in yeah, the building. He's he's really up there in terms of He's that. basically like a Kardashian over in the Philippines. So, you know, around here, um, or even in the NBA, like he doesn't ever really travel with much security or – it's it's not a big, but there when coach and I saw him, he had four security guys and he needed every single one of them. Um, it's amazing just walking out on the street. Uh, the entire country is such a basketball crazy country. Yeah, uh, they follow everything, especially a you know a player with Filipino heritage uh, playing in the NBA. Uh, yeah, I think I think it's just him and Jalen Green are the two. So. Gets a lot of love for that. And then he's so gracious by investing his time there in the summers. He's played Asian qualifiers, playing World Cup qualifiers, or play Olympic qualifiers if he can. So him returning that love to the country, I think, shows every time he steps out on the street. It's so good that they had the World Cup there because there's one NBA store here. And over in the Philippines, there are two. Yes. Yes. That, that's... 
a basketball crazy place. It's, it's a good place to, to host. Yeah, I had I had never been. Um, uh, Will and I spent like seven days there. Uh, it was an unbelievable experience. Um, people were great. Food's great. The passion of the fans. They actually in Manila, not only the NBA store, they have a Nike store. They also have a separate Jordan store. Mm. Not a Jordan Clarkson store, a Jordan store, which I thought was pretty cool. So yeah, they're basketball crazy there. It's it's a perfect place to host an event like that. The rookies, because not not only are you crossing the globe to watch these guys, you're going to watch prospects. Three of them using all three draft picks. What did you identify when you were going across seeing these guys that they would be good picks? So there's a lot of things that go into it, JP, but you know, first and foremost is talent. Um, these three, all three 19 years old, about to be 20, uh, finishing their first years. Second, um, their character and ability, um, to work and work hard. They all have unique bodies and, uh, possibilities of positional size. And I've been very pleased with all three of them. Um, Taylor and Bryce, you know, even though they were recovering from injury this summer, uh, have worked really hard to get back. Um, they obviously haven't had as many opportunities as Keontae just simply because of the recovery time that they needed in summer league to to be 100%. Um, but they've done well in camp learning. This is a, a whole new world for all three of them. Uh, the speed of the game, the athleticism of the game, the physicality of the game, and different play calls, different ways to play. Uh, so it's always an adjustment, but I think all three of them have come in to work every single day, um, have learned every day. So I've been very pleased with that and looking forward to their growth this year. Keontae's taken advantage of the opportunities, him being healthy this summer and, you know, had a very good summer league and had a very good off season and open gym and has had some flashes in the training camp. What I like about him is he seems to learn every day. Um, there are certain things, obviously he needs to get stronger and, and better at and the more reps he does but he seems to improve um every day that way and i love that mindset how quickly does the conversation begin about we're going to use the stars as a resource ochai went through it last year and no matter who you picked with the three picks i imagine somebody would have been working with the stars one of the three of them that seems to be the case when does that conversation start and how much of a resource are the STARS? So the STARS is a huge part of our player development program. I think you've already seen a glimpse of it last year. Um, the development path of Lowry Markinen, uh, the development path of Ochai Agbaji, the development path of Walker Kessler, uh, development path of Colin Sexton. The one thing they have in common is that they all got better last year. The thing that none of them have in common is that it was all four different paths. And just because there's a certain path that works for one player doesn't necessarily mean it works for the other. But I think you're going to see some similarities with given the number of veteran good NBA players we have on our roster. What are the avenues where we can get younger players more reps to not only continue to learn about the game and improve their game, but so that they're ready when the opportunity comes up to be in an NBA game. And the Stars provide a huge part of that. Uh, Scott Morrison, our head coach last year, who's now on the front of our bench, 
did an excellent job of organizing that group and getting Ochai ready to play. Um, that took a few months. And this year, I'm really excited to have Wojo as our head coach. who's coached a lot of great players and has been an excellent teacher. And I'm really excited for our program, you know, that he has these probably going to have a few of our rookies playing in the G League at a good amount, plus the two-way prospects that we have, um, that he can create a cohesive team and a development path for those guys to be ready when, when we need them here with, with the Jazz. Do they have to slap the floor if they're playing for Coach Wojo? I'm not sure. Wojo's almost my age now, so I'm not sure if, you know, there's probably some back stuff. I, I doubt it. He does yoga, though. Yeah, he's, he's pretty flexible still. But Climbs mountains. Yeah. He does all that stuff. He's, he's been around the NBA game long enough. He's been around us for the last couple of years to know there's a few different things in the NBA as opposed to college, which I think he embraces, actually. I'm really excited for him. He's He sat here in, in this chair in the studio, and he, he talked about being very willing to have the same offense, do, do the same things that you're going to see with the Jazz down with the Stars. The other person who kind of had a G League path, Chris Dunn, he was a revelation towards the end of last year and continued in the preseason this year. What alerted you to Chris Dunn and getting him on your radar? So, you know, our scouting staff does a great job of following everybody, whether it's the G League, international players, American players playing overseas. Um, you know, we kind of have a saying here and with the Jazz that if you're good enough, the NBA is going to find you. Um, and that's what our jobs are, is to find by any path or any means necessary players that have a chance to improve our team and following following their path of development. As we talked about earlier, everybody's path in development is a little different. With Chris, um, I think the biggest thing that's different over the past couple of years is that he was finally healthy. And he went to, he used the G League as a way for him to improve himself offensively where he's more reliable offensively, more consistent. Um, his defense has always been something that would get him on the floor, but his offense needed to have him stay on the floor. And I think over those 30 games, 30-plus games he played with the Capital City Go-Go, he was able to show it on a consistent basis, one, he was healthy, and two, offensively how much he'd improved, where you could capture more of that defensive upside. And for us, it was an opportunity to add a veteran um, who was a very good defensive player and would be an example for our other players on our team. And also his voice. He's, he's a guy that um, has opinions, has really come in here and not only worked to have a job himself, but has embraced taking, you know, teaching the young guys. And I haven't talked to him about this. He's still got a long career ahead of him, but I don't know if he was ever going to want to coach or not, but he's got the... He's got the IQ for it and, and probably the mentality too. Uh, so I'm just excited that he's been able to continue that and I'm really happy he's doing that with us. In temperament, every single guy says he's the funniest person in the locker room. Yeah, I talked to him last night because obviously he was sick yesterday during the, the scrimmage and I relayed to him that he got 100% of the votes of being the funniest and the biggest trash talker. So exactly. He really wasn't surprised when I told him that, so I appreciate the confidence too. Omer Yurtsevin getting the opportunity here. Rebounding is a huge thing that he's provided for the Jazz during this preseason. What can he provide for this team? I think it's another big that has played in different systems. 
Um, very good rebounder, uh, good IQ, knows where to be, um, has good hands, still young as well. And I think those opportunities, when when he'll be ready for those opportunities for coach to be able to put him in a game if, if he's needed, and in the meantime, continue to work. But he's fit in very, very well here. Guys like playing with him. Um, he's smart, and um, he's continuing. To, he's picking up our system pretty quick. Sounds like the entire group is picking up the system pretty quick. They're all trying every day. It's what we ask them to do. As good a spot as any to end. He is the general manager of the Utah Jazz, Justin Zanuck, on Ramball Roundup on utahjazz.com. Thanks, JP.